Welcome back, Statesman viewers. Thank you for tuning in again to episode two of the State of the Seawolves, our brand new talk show podcast, uh, where we bring you our opinions and our takes on the uh, the current Sony Brook sports teams. I'm Mike Anderson, your host, the sports editor here at the Statesman, and I've got my cast of characters with me again, assistant editors Kenny Spirell, Alex Stranger, Anthony DeCoco, and writers Kevin Broderick, Alex DeMauro, George Karatsis, Nathan Villarente, Tommy Pardo, and Kevin Yu. We are all here to bring you some hopefully insightful takes on what happened in uh, Stony Brook Sports this past week, and perhaps looking down the line with Stony Brook. And uh, with that being said, we're going to start with the Stony Brook football team. So I welcome on Kenny Spirell, Alex DeMauro, and Anthony DeCoco. How are you, gentlemen? We're ready? Okay, awesome. So here's the topic. Pretty simple. Might the football team go winless this year? I'm going to start with you, Kenny. Um, yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Um, I was a lot more hopeful last week uh, than I currently am this week. Um because coming into uh, this past weekend's matchup uh, against Maine, it was two 0-4 teams. Um, it was one of the realistically two winnable games on the schedule. And, um, you know, Maine has uh, currently has the third worst offense in the uh, in the entire uh, conference and um, got 56 hung on their head. So 42 in the first half. 42 in the first half, yeah. Um, yeah, it gets worse as you divide it down. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you want to uh, do any division, so Maine's quarterback Derek Ro- uh, Robertson coming into the game hadn't thrown a touchdown pass the right. entire season. Um, completed basically half of his passes uh, the whole year through four games. In the first quarter, through nine of eleven for 188 yards and two touchdowns. Mm, looks like Kenny reads the statesman. I do read the statesman. <laughs> um. Yeah, and he ended in the end of the game going 25 for 30 for 394 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah. So um it explains itself. The defense needs to get better. Um, you know, this was um uh, it was definitely a winnable game. Um coming in, yeah. And then um and I think I think their only other opportunity to win a game this year is this upcoming weekend against Morgan State. Um they are one and four. Uh, they're coming off of a game against Yale where they got their doors blown off uh, 45 to three. So we'll see. Yeah. But you know what Morgan State has done this year that Sonny Brook hasn't other than just win a game? They beat Richmond. They did beat Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> so which was crazy because it knocked Richmond, who was, I think, ranked like 13th in the nation, totally out of the polls. And now they're they're done for good to struggle like that against Stony Brook. Um, so now I'm going to throw this one over to AD. That's what we call him. Alex tomorrow um, is the football team going to go winless this year. Um, I'm going to say no, and I think they're going to win this Saturday. Okay. Like you said, it's a winnable game, and I think Morgan State is not a good team. Um, Hot take. <laughs> yeah, wow. Yeah, they got like, what, 89 rushing yards per game this season. Um, Their quarterback, from my knowledge, won the starting job like two weeks ago. Um, five weeks in a five-week season, and he won it two weeks ago. Well, That's great. Yeah, I, I just – if they lose, then I, I will say for the rest of the season, there's no hope. But if they're going to win a game, it's going to be this week. And and I, I'm i going to say they're going to win. Okay. All right. Why are they going to win? They have a good defense. Morgan State. Morgan State has a pretty good defense. Um, They've only allowed 24-ish points a game, which, you know. College football. Col- yeah. For college football, it's pretty good. 
obviously offensively we've been progressively getting better i want to say uh casey case definitely has looked a lot better um in recent weeks uh, as well so that kind of if stony brook can beat them offensively i think they will have a very good chance to win this game because because like i said that their secondary might not be great but morgan state's offense isn't isn't great either so i think if there's going to be a a game where they kind of limit the passing game i think it'll be this one and you know I could lead the victory. The only issue I have with that is that was the exact same story as the main game. Right, right. Coming in. Right, know, but so. again, trying to remain positive. So, <laughs> Okay, yeah, he's spoken like a true center of Siebel. All right, Anthony, <laughs> is the football team going to go winless this year? Yes, I don't see where the wins are coming in. Um, every game, the, the staple of the offense is supposed to be the run game. It can never get going because they're always down by an insurmountable amount of points right off the bat. Casey Case has gotten better, but he's also getting a ton of chances to pass the ball in garbage time. So that's something that needs to be taken into account. Him and him and uh, Anthony Johnson have been two of the few bright spots on the team. The defense has just been absolutely horrendous so far. When you have, uh, you know, going against Maine last week, five interceptions on the year for Robertson with no touchdown passes, and then to allow almost 400 yards and five touchdowns without coming away with a pick, is you can't do that especially 28 yard uh 28 nothing in the first quarter against the team that is 0 4 on the year that was your best chance to win a game and then even though their rushing defense got a little bit better that game only giving up 112 rushing yards they allowed three touchdowns on uh on the ground so th- there's really no positives I'm seeing out of this team to be quite honest with you I don't I don't see where the wins are coming yeah well that's a good point um all right gentlemen thank you that was very uh was very in depth. So now we are going to switch topics and we are going to talk about the women's soccer team and do some association football now. So I bring to you guys uh, Nathan Villarente and Kevin Broderick. All right, gentlemen. So, you know, the bad stretch by women's soccer, it really hurt them, right? However, they blew out undefeated William and Mary on Sunday. 4-0, and William & Mary has the best scoring defense in the conference. They still have the best defense in the conference after losing 4-0. That's how good William & Mary is. They were unbeaten coming into that game. So was this breakout game by the Stony Brook women's soccer team a sign of things to come, or was it just a good day at the office? So, KB, I'm going to throw it over to you first. I think, one, it was a good day at the office, but I also don't think that the losing streak is super indicative of Stony Brook women's soccer. Um, what I think is going on is that Stony Brook can be a gatekeeper into the top three of the league. I think they're a solid fourth overall team right now. And I think they proved that by beating William and Mary dominantly in a 4-0 fashion. Uh, I think stars like Riley Rich are enough to lead this team to be um, offensively successful. And I think you always, always, always have to give credit to Nic- uh, Nicoletta Pascarella, who made seven saves and allowed zero goals on those seven shots. Um, overall, I think this is going to be a sign that they could win or at least win and tie the rest of their games for the season and solidly be inside of the playoffs. Sure. Okay. What about you, Naden? Is this a sign of things to come? Yeah. Good day at the office. No, I definitely believe it's a sign of things to come because when you look at it from the last four games that the Stony Brook women's soccer team played, they played the four best teams in the conference. And then I believe... A few of them were actually undefeated, 
And I believe in the NCAA, the, the Division One, there's only like at least 10 or like only a handful of teams that are undefeated. And you look at the Towson game, like they, they lost 3-0, but Towson have the best three attackers in the league. They're one of the best teams probably in the country right now. Yeah. And what's more impressive though was when you look at the William & Mary game, William & Mary had the best defense in the conference and they only conceded five goals all year. But the thing that changed for the women's soccer team, I would say personally watching it is Toby um approached the game with a different tactic where he put a back three and he had Emma and Katharina play at the wide um defensive positions instead of central. Mm-hmm. So instead of the back three, they had him in the middle four. And that allowed them to play wider and exploit gaps from the um wide side of the pitch. And then you had, for instance, Lynn Beck orchestrating from like uh, a 10 rule, right? And you had Luciano Sadducate come on the bench, come off the bench for Lynn Beck and orchestrate and pull strings for the team. Like a, like a cam, right? Yeah. And, and William and Mary were just not ready for it. You know, like the defense was rock solid, Pasquarella and goal, every counterattack was locked on it. So it was a very impressive outing. But what I would say, though, is that I believe Riley Rich got injured in the ending of the game. So that is a point of concern. Yeah, definitely. It's a but concern. then you look at it from the rest of their schedule in the CAA, it's not a lot of heavy competition. So it's like the top five, I believe, is really competitive right now. They all have 12 points. Stony Brick said, I believe, six at the moment. Uh, eight. eight six yeah. or eight? Eight. Or, or they're, they're on eight points, but they said, I believe, they're tied for six, right? Three-way tie for six. Yeah. yeah. Tie. So that six to eight seed is going to be very competitive. Top five is probably going to be more than unlikely, but as they're playing teams that are below the top five in the conference, it should be very winnable matches for the team. So they could generate a lot of momentum going into the playoffs. So we'll see how it goes. But the William & Mary game was just basically what's supposed to happen for the women's soccer team. And they're playing up to their potential in that game. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about it the past couple of weeks, even during the rehearsal that they had, they were about to run the gauntlet in the CAA and you can't go empty handed, you know, one, in, one, two and one. That's a little disappointing because we think highly of the women's soccer team, but at least they, they salvaged. So yeah. KB, you know, you, you and Alex got into this, not tomorrow, but Alex Stronger got into this uh, before we started recording. Um, do you believe that that slump had something to do with the level of competition? And now that that level of competition has, you know, diminished moving forward, do you think that this is about to be, you know, a similar run to I, last year? Yeah, I definitely think it was the level of competition they were playing at. And I will make the caveat that Hofstra and Monmouth were both very winnable games, specifically Hofstra. And, you know, you can look at those two games and say, there was a chance that Stony Brook won that won both of those games. Towson was a different story. And like Naden said, top three scorers in the league, it feels like Towson is playing a different kind of soccer than everyone else in the CAA. Right. They're playing a top 25 in the country mm-hmm. um, kind of soccer right now. And I think so they're still unranked, right? They know. still they're are still unranked. Un- but I don't know what that's all about. I, that would be surprising if that continues, to me at least. Um, but William and Mary 4-0 is just that's, – that's a – definitive statement from the soccer team that they want to be in the playoffs and they want to be competing for it so it will be interesting 
does Stony Brook get another matchup versus Monmouth? Do they get another matchup versus Hostra? And can they pull up the wins in those games? All right, gentlemen, thank you very much. And now we're going to stay on the topic of soccer, but we're going to talk about their male counterparts, the first place Stony Brook men's soccer team. I bring on Alex Stringer. He's going to join the adults table to talk some men's soccer with Naden and KB. So, Alex, since you are the poster child for Stony Brook men's soccer, uh, let me ask you. So men's soccer is officially a playoff contender after that win. Um, that much we know. But what did Saturday's win over UNCW prove to you? Um, I think it just proved that, again, that this team is is for real. You know, we're past the halfway mark in conference play. Uh, the offense was there again, explosive as usual, especially in home games. Uh, and the defense just keeps improving every game. And you might look at the stats. You know, they did get outshot. And Kaiser, Edmund Kaiser, the goalkeeper, had to make seven saves. But if you watch the game, I'd say maybe three of those saves were really, you know, tough saves, we could say. And most of those saves were, you know, right at him or soft shots. So the defense is improving every game. And they have some individual players that are starting to really, you know, get themselves uh, with the rest of the team in terms of, you know, the level of play. You know, Alex Fleury, the freshman uh, coming in. And he he was, in my opinion, he had his best game by far against um, against UNCW. I mean... You look at the stats again, two assists, you know, that's cool. But you just watch the game. This guy was di- dictating play the whole game through passes, doing whatever he wanted. They couldn't, UNCW couldn't touch him. Um, so I think this team is uh, is is for real. You know, we're past the halfway mark, like I said. They're still in first place. Hofstra, if they win their next game, they're going to be tied with Stony Brook because Hofstra has a game in hand. But again, first place. Looks like they're going to make the playoffs. And every game, I think that defense, which was the question mark on that team, is improving. So I think this team is in a really good spot right now. Okay. Naden, you were also there handling our Twitter duty. So if you guys caught any mistakes on Twitter, just know that that was Naden's fault. Um, Naden, what did Saturday's win over UNCW prove to you? I think Saturday's game was also like another very impressive outing by the men's soccer team. And basically, it's what they have to come for the rest of the season. You know, they have, I would say, one of the best attacking depth in the conference. You know, they have players that are just orchestrating the pitch. Like Alex said before, you have um, Alex Fleury, for instance. He was a bright spot in the game against UNCW. And they have so much attacking depth to where if one player is having a poor performance, there's so many people that could step up and fill in those gaps and fill out whether it's creativity you have Olsen Aluk, you have Moses Bakabalindi, you have um, and then Alex Fleury, too. And then you have goal scorers, too. Like, Jonas Bijkus is scoring, I believe, his own five goals this season. Yeah. And all then in, you have, all, all in conference. Yeah. Right. And then you have Olsen Aluk. He's also on five goals this year. So, I feel like, definitely, the Stony Brook men's soccer team has a chance to win the conference, the regular season championship mm-hmm. at this rate that they're going in. Because the attack is just so good right now. That there's no slowing down. They keep on scoring every game. They're scoring multiple goals, new performers showing out every game. And then you have Johan Velez, right? He's coming back too off the bench. So the attacking depth, they have probably what five, six guys that are really good on the attack. Right. So it's only up from here for the men's soccer team. And then of course they have a couple of good midfielders too, like you know, yeah. goes, like you said, Alex Flory, uh Flory and uh and also Trevor Harrison. 
you know, those guys, you know, function like as wingers. The other day. Right, exactly. And they barely played also. Trevor Harrison got, I believe, 17 minutes, so it just shows how much mm-hmm. this team is stacked on offense. Yeah, and then to give some context to Johan Velez, too, Johan is coming off an all-Mac selection. So, oh, and Caleb Donkla. We forgot Caleb Donkla. Who's just somewhere to Yeah, exactly. Scored his first goal as a Stony Brook player. Yep. Was that Alex Fluorensis, too? That was... The, the attempted shot right? that turned into an assist, according to him in the post game interview. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, <laughs> works. Whatever, right? So anyway, KB, uh, what did Saturday's win over UNCW prove to you about the men's soccer team? Uh, that they can go undefeated for the entire season. Yeah, I think UNCW was probably one of their hardest games left, and the fact that they beat them three one, I think, is very indicative of the fact that they can go undefeated for the whole season. And the big balls take from our from our rookie. <laughs> I mean, you know, it might sound bigger than it actually is when you consider that they only have okay, I should say undefeated in the conference play because yeah. obviously they've already lost games outside of that. Yeah, they only have three more conference games left. That's against Charleston, Monmouth, and William and Mary. Now they beat Charleston last year. They beat Charleston last year, and William and Mary also last year wasn't that impressive. This year's doing a little bit better, but nowhere close to how well Stony Brook is doing. Um, I would schedule October 20th versus Monmouth as their next biggest challenge. And if Stony Brook can overcome that, then I don't see why they couldn't go undefeated for the whole season. Uh, And that being said, as for Naden's point about winning the entire championship, you obviously have to compete with Hofstra for that. And Stony Brook already tied Hofstra. Uh, And because Stony Brook already tied Hofstra, obviously Hofstra then would need to lose or draw a game and Stony Brook would have to win all of their games in order for Stony Brook to get first place. So that might not be possible. It's at least not in the Seawolves' own control. Uh, but it's 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 exciting. That's for sure. The fact that they can bounce back like this from having a three and six season last year to potentially going undefeated. Yeah, absolutely. One goal per game last year, over two and a half, close to three now. Uh, all right, gentlemen, thank you very much. And now I bring to you uh, Kevin Yu and George Karatsis. They are going to talk some women's volleyball with us. How are we, gentlemen? Immaculate. Doing Mac- great, Mike. <laughs> That's right. So it got scary on Sunday, but the job got done, right? The sweep of NCAT brings the Sony Brook women's volleyball team back to 500 in conference play. Um it also gives them, you know, a three-game winning streak, so the first win streak of the season. So was this weekend encouraging to you um in order for them to be a playoff team this year or was it just them feasting on a bad team i'll start with you kevin um i think this weekend was absolutely encouraging i think when you look at the circumstances of the game prior to sort of winning on sunday and saturday the the north carolina ant aggie just did whatever they wanted against the seawolves and keep in mind that aggie's defense and offense are in the bottom half of the conference so the fact that for the first two sets of both Saturday and Sunday, the Aggies ran away ran away and kills aces in the first two sets on Saturday and Sunday shows just how consistently inconsistent the Seawolves are, which has been the talking point of this podcast and our coverage of the women's volleyball team. team. The Seawolves are consistently inconsistent. And when especially on Sunday when their backs are against the walls, down two sets to win the next three in dominating fashion as it did, it has to be encouraging for their playoff hopes. So he's throwing it over to George. Yeah, I'm going to have to uh, agree with Kevin on this one. Mike, if you remember last week, I sat in the seat and talked about, we had this discussion. We said, what do we, what do we see from Stony Brook after the, after the 
split at Charleston. So I sat here and I said, North Carolina A&T is a must win and Hampton is a must win. Hampton, they should win. If they don't, we'll be in big trouble. But they took care of the Aggies, which is the big thing. You mentioned Sunday. Sunday definitely got scary. The errors are still extremely concerning. But I think the offense, what we saw from them, is extremely encouraging. They had two of their highest scoring games of the season on Saturday and Sunday. They saw, contrib- obviously, Leone Kuntz and Callie Moore are always going to be good, but they saw contributions up and down the roster from freshmen, sophomores that you didn't think you were going to get contributions from. Um, and I think, you know, they're now tied in conference. They're 3-3. Three and three. They're tied with Delaware and Hofstra in that sixth place spot. I think getting into this part of the season, they have both Delaware and Hofstra ahead of them in their schedule. I think if they can get hot, which they are right now, they're on a three-game winning streak, it's about playing the hot hand. And if they can get hot, they I mean, anyone can go on a run, but I think Stony Brook is poised to do that right now. Yeah, for sure. And like you said, you know, now they have Hampton and Hampton is one of the worst teams. It's Well, it's the worst team in the conference. It's, you know, probably one of the worst sports schools in the United States of America. So this, you know, again, they have to win both games, right? You have to walk out of next weekend five and three and then we'll move the goalposts from there. But uh, but I mean, what happens if they if they split? Yeah, I guess this weekend was just a Cinderella story mm-hmm. and we, it was just all a dream. <laughs> Pipe dream. Pipe dream, and the sea will just crash down back to reality. And I want to talk about what George said about the contributions, because we all know that Leone Coons and Callie Moore will always have the best stats because the offense runs through them. They're the primary attackers. Uh, okay. But the contributions I'm really looking – that I was – we were both really happy with was outside here, Abby Stanwood. Her playing time was limited in the first two second sets on, set, on Sunday, and she was the one that generated that reverse sweep comeback. Um, George and I discussed she had numerous 3-0 runs just by herself. So the Seals went on these runs because of her, because of her three consecutive attacks in the third, fourth, and fifth. So it was the contributions from the others that really impressed me. It wasn't just a two-woman show. It was a collective group effort. All right, absolutely. Yeah, and Abby's having a sneakily good year. She's she's probably their breakout player, quote-unquote, because, you know, everyone's doing what they're supposed to do. Leonie's doing what she's supposed to do. Callie, uh, Abby... Campbell, obviously, from the middle blocker spot has been really good. And Tori Henry is probably the best setter, you know, top two setter in the in the conference. We could argue whether she's one or two. Um, but, yeah, getting that fifth that fifth person in there, that fifth scorer, Abby Stanwood, that does make them a much better team. And also, you know, defense specialist Maddie Signo is a freshman. She's been a little up and down this year, yeah. but she's been pretty good. And then, obviously, Julia Patzos may be the best libero in the conference, too. So, so. They're in a good spot right now at 500, but obviously only time will tell to see if they really are playoff contenders or not. So thank you, gentlemen. So now for the final segment, the one that Tommy Pardo has been holding his breath for all day, we're going to talk about the Stony Brook hockey team for the first time this year. And uh, this past Sunday, which which was yesterday in real time, it'll be a couple of days ago when this thing comes out. Uh, we put out our first ever hockey special issue, Breaking the Ice. You guys can go check that out on our website. But I bring back Anthony DeCoco and Kevin Broderick. They are joined by Tommy Pardo, and we're going to talk some Sony Brook hockey. So let's do it, John. Okay, the topic for today. The roster is set, and we know what we need to know about the new guys and the returners on this roster. 
is this team going to be back in the national tournament this year after missing it a year ago? Anthony, I'm going to start with you. I would honestly be shocked if they weren't back in the national tournament. I think the 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 starting foundation that every team needs to have is an all world goaltender, and they ha- and they have that Matvey Kazakov. He's one of the best in the HCHA. They were good. Le- they were even though they underperformed last year, they were still solid. But they wouldn't have won a lot of games, and if it wasn't for Kazakov, and he kept them in a lot of their losses. Um, going into the season, I was a little concerned with their centers after hearing about Greg Barnish's departure and then Connor Dempsey. But Will uh, Will Cormanick sliding it, sliding into his natural position in, at center, who was won the team's Rookie of the Year award last year. He's a great goal scorer, really good power forward. He's poised for another breakout year and in his sophomore uh, season. He should have a better season. Knicks are really moving to his natural role at center. Then you have J- uh, Jesse Edwards and then Koz- uh, James Kozicki and Nick Gallo, who's one of the transfers. Coach was both high, uh, was high on both of those guys. I think they have really strong center depth. Obviously, you have Matt Minerva on the wing, who's who's the team's most talented player. I would say all in all, uh, Devin Pepe is one of the, is the team's best playmaker. Christian Malik, I'm looking out for to break out this season. He was really good at the end of last year with an increased role. I think he could be better. And then some of the new guys like uh Justin Nakagawa, who uh. Coach was also very high on, called him one of the smartest players on the team. I think that their goal, uh, their goaltending and their offense is something to look for. I think they're going to be very good. The defense has me a little bit concerned, at least initially. Um, it's obviously a very important position on the ice. And Andrew Mancini's coming back, Joe Trezera, Spencer Boris, Brendan Fess. But then, you know, a lot of new transfers and uh, freshmen coming in after some of those guys left from last year. So that's the one point of concern right now, even though I think that uh some guys like Owen Larson, who I think is going to be very good for them, he tore up his junior league as a defenseman on the offensive side, which is encouraged and it was just encouraging. So I think that they're going to make it back to the national tournament this year. I would be surprised if they didn't. Awesome. I'm going to throw this one over to KB now. Kevin, what do you think of the uh, Stony River hockey team returning to the nationals this year? I share the same opinion. I think it would be shocking if they didn't make it back. Um, this team has retooled very, very well from the players that they lost last year and from the disappointing season they had last year. And I think that one of the most disappointing parts of their team last year was their power play. They had a very low power play conversion uh, percentage, and I think they brought in two players that are going to increase that significantly. Both of them already have been mentioned. Um, To me, that will be Justin Nakagawa. I think that any player with a high hockey IQ will uh, fit in on any power play very, very easily, uh, playing the slot positions or playing on either of the wings. I doubt he'll play in front of the goal because he's a smaller guy, um, but having a smart guy on the power play just increases your chances of getting that pass, getting a pass across ice into a dangerous position for maybe a one-timer or something like that. Additionally, you have Owen Larson coming in, who is a, who's a guy who is a player to me that should definitely be quarterbacking a power play. 48 points in 41 games in his junior year. He did absolutely tear that up. Uh, I believe that he will be perfect to be the uh, number one defenseman on that power play and to be feeding pucks to guys like Justin Nakagawa to get goals. Um, with that improved power play, Stony Brook has good goaltending. Um, and overall, I think this team is just going to be very, very improved from last year. All right, Tommy. So now I throw this one over to you. 
is the Stony Brook hockey team going back to the Nationals this year? Yes, I, I would be absolutely shocked if they did, especially with with all the new new talent they have, all the transfers they brought in. They they brought a lot of talent, a lot on on the on the blue line, because they really need need to fix that. Because depth was a big problem last season for the Seawolves. And uh, yeah. how, what do you think? What do you think this depth is going to do for them? Like, how how does it make that better? I feel like this newfound depth that they have, it's it's going to solidify them even more. And when some key players, some key players go out, they these new guys can step up and keep us keep the Seawolves afloat during the during the tough tumultuous times of the season. Okay. Awesome. All right, um, now I'm going to throw this one back over to Anthony. Anthony, who will be the hockey team's most valuable player this year? I'm going to give someone other than Kazakov because I think that's the obvious choice. He's going to be their most valuable player. I'm going to say Will Kormanik. Um, at our last uh, – at the, our season recap, everybody we spoke to was super high on him, whether that was his teammates or uh, Coach Garofalo. And um, moving into his natural position now, the, uh, down the middle, having more responsibilities, and really after getting the, um his feet wet in the league last year, and doing very well, I think that there's a lot of big things to come for him. Awesome. All right, gentlemen, there you go. That's what we've got for you. Episode two of the State of the Sea Wolves is officially over. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with more takes on Sony Brook Sports.